0: And a couple of false starts, our family finally started renovating our home. Uh, We lived in this little uh, brick veneer house in uh, the leafy suburb of Montmorency, and uh, we had finally decided we're going to do it. We're going to make the change. And uh, we we got a builder, and uh, we worked out that we could stay living in our home while we renovated. Now, that's got to be one of the most crazy things any family can do and I don't know if, you, if you've been part of a renovation you might have might have done this yourself you might even remember being living in a home when your parents renovated it's crazy and uh, most people are smart enough to move out uh, some people might go live with their in-laws that creates another set of problems we decide no we're going to we're we negotiated we're going to stage this we're going to work out you know which bit to rip out when And so we decided we're going to stay in our own home. And we also worked out with our builder that we would do as much as we could ourselves within our skill set. And if you know how I use a hammer, you would have been worried from the beginning. And also within our time constraints. But we were started. We started this big change process. A friend of mine uh, said to me about, this is how he described renovation. He said, I thought I was a grown-up when I got married. I thought I was really grown up when we had our first child, but it was a renovation that made me an adult. Renovations. It's sort of a picture of this big change process. It's about tearing down, making a mess, dust everywhere. You've got to do the deconstruction before you can construct, before you can build something new. Tearing down something old, building something new. But there's dust. There's builders in your space at 7am. There's noise. There's the sound of Eddie Maguire and the Triple M crew coming over as you're having your breakfast. My kids never listened to Triple M before we did a renovation. We're a two-radio station family. We listen to Light FM and what my kids call Old Man Radio, which is ABC Melbourne, all right? They get in the car, and I've been in the car, and they go, oh, Dad, you've got old man radio on. Flick it back. But, yep, that was an education. Triple M, Eddie Maguire, and the breakfast show. Now, I really like my builders, and, in fact, many of us are still friends after the renovation. That's saying something, all right? Um, But there's three sayings that I learnt from my builders, Three things that kept coming up. So in this change process, when things are happening that aren't planned for, when um, there's decisions to be made every day, you're choosing the colour of this, the size of that, the cost of this over getting it done. My builders had three sayings. Now, if something went wrong, if there was a wall that was there in the morning and then I came home and it was gone in the afternoon and that wasn't planned, or if something hadn't arrived, some building materials that we needed in order for everything else to be done that week, this is what my builders would say. No stress. No stress, no stress. There was a wall there this morning. There's not a wall now. I'm stressed. Oh, no stress, they'd say. Oh, we need that material. It was meant to be here yesterday. Oh, no stress. So no stress. That's the first thing a builder would You've got to learn that saying, okay? If you're going to do a renovation, no stress. The second thing was this. I've got a guy for that. If we needed our floor sanded that we hadn't planned, oh, it's okay, I've got a guy for that. Oh, you need some extra painting done? It's okay, I've got a guy for that. My builder had a guy for everything, all right? Uh, oh, you need some asbestos removed? I've got a guy for that. I don't want to know about it. They had a guy for everything, all right? So that's the second saying. You've got to remember, I've got a guy for that. No stress. The third saying is this. After all is said and done... If it's still not square, if it's still not perfect, don't worry. That just adds character. All right? So if it's wrong, if it's late, don't get stressed. If, we, if you need something done, it's okay. I've got a guy for that. The third thing is, though, if we still can't get it 100% right, if it's not quite the color that my wife wanted, it's okay. It adds character. So these are the three sayings that I learned as we did a renovation. Seasons of change are hard and a renovation is a pretty good example of that. But seasons of change bring birth to new things that can be exciting. For one person, it can be super exciting. Yes, I'm going to change something. For others, It's terrifying. I don't really want to lose my room, my daughter would say. I don't really want things to change. I don't want to sleep on the floor for six weeks. Change. Have you ever experienced change and noticed how it affects your faith? Have you experienced uh, change and asked, how's your faith in Jesus challenged? In the middle of change, have you ever asked, where is the presence of Jesus gone? why has God gone quiet? If God really loved me, why would he allow this change to occur? Because it's actually pretty uncomfortable. Having a job and then losing it. Being unemployed. Having the desire to work, but not finding that role that gives you the reason to get up in the morning. Losing a relationship. When close relationships change, we can struggle to know Where do I fit in? Who really loves me? Losing your home, moving house, moving towns, maybe facing homelessness. A place where we sleep and store our stuff. is also a place, hopefully, where we find community, love, safety. When this changes, it feels like a whole world is being turned upside down. So change can bring growth and excitement. It can also bring, for some, frustration, depression, and despair. So there's a truth. There's a truth in seasons of change that I want to remind us of today. And the truth is this. Through seasons of change, Jesus does show up, sometimes unexpectedly, and he reminds us of his presence and his deep, unfailing love. Thank you for the reading this morning. We heard a story about Jesus finding his disciples fishing. And uh, there's two miracles in this story. The first miracle is that Jesus shows up. Jesus was crucified uh, a week or days earlier. And this is the third time Jesus has appeared to his disciples. This is a story about the resurrected Christ. It's a miracle. The second miracle is this. Jesus, a carpenter, is giving Peter, a fisherman, tips on how to do fishing. And if I've learned anything on a building site, it's that a chippy doesn't tell a plumber how to do carpentry and a plumber certainly never, ever tells a chippy how to do his job. You just don't do that. And here Jesus is giving Peter fishing tips. But the whole reason this story comes about is because Peter decides, he says, I'm going fishing. Now, Peter had been one of Jesus' closest disciples. He'd been there from the beginning. He was the guy that Jesus said, come follow me, stop fishing for fish and come and fish for men and women for the kingdom of God. Peter, only days before, he'd been the one that had grabbed the servant's sword and tried to protect Jesus as he was being arrested. Peter was the one that dared to follow Jesus into the temple courts where he was tried and tortured and then sentenced to be crucified. Peter was the one that snuck in close enough. But he was also the one that denied even knowing Jesus. Not once, not twice. But three times so here is peter peter's the one who says as they're in the room where jesus had appeared to them not as a ghost but as a man eating and drinking with them jesus said wait wait in the room but peter gets impatient peter gets bored with waiting and in this season of change, this change of they're on this three year journey with Jesus, and this huge change when your leader is arrested and crucified, and then appears again after the death. Peter's the one that runs to the tomb, and he's been on this emotional roller coaster with all his friends. Three days later, there's an empty tomb. Then Jesus appears to them, and now they're told to wait. And Peter is done with waiting. Peter does what many of us do in a season of change, and a season of uncertainty, we go back to what we know. Peter goes back to fishing. I'm going fishing and the other disciples say, we're coming too. And so they go out. Peter's obviously one of those guys who says out loud what everyone else is thinking in the room. I'm going fishing. So they go out on the lake. All night they fish and they catch nothing. Peter's plan hasn't really worked. Peter, I think it's just added to the frustration of it all. But in verse 4, John records, early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the, other, on the right side of the boat and you will find some. On the right side of the boat, compared to the left side of the boat. I don't know that much about fishing, but isn't the water all the same under the boat? I mean, those fish that are on the right side, surely they're going to be on the left, but they don't. They do it and they're unable to haul in the net because of the large Number of fish. The very next verse is the disciple whom Jesus loved, which we know as John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. Jesus shows up in an unexpected way, in a way they didn't even identify or recognize at first. Jesus shows up for Peter and his friends, and he then continues to remind Peter of his unfailing love. His unfailing love for Peter Jesus restores Peter in the verses from verse 15 he says when they'd finished eating Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John do you love me more than these yes Lord he said you know that I love you then Jesus said feed my lambs again Jesus said Simon son of John do you love me he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And in times of change, in times of uncertainty, So much of our question can be around, God, do you love me? But here Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? And in fact, this affirmation of uh, this questioning that Jesus has is a way of restoring Peter back into relationship with Jesus. Peter had denied Jesus three times. Peter had been carrying that guilt, that emotional failure with him. God's agenda is so often about restoring that relationship. Through seasons of change, Jesus shows up and reminds us of his presence and his love. Jesus says, I love you, Peter. Do you love me? Will you follow me? Will you be obedient to me? Seasons of change can be like a big renovation of the heart. It can be messy. It can be dusty. It can feel very uncomfortable. But actually, seasons of change is where God is so much more interested in the work he's doing in you than the work he's doing through you. And that was certainly true for Peter. Jesus couldn't do his work through Peter, which we'll find out as you keep reading in the book of Acts. Peter becomes a leader of the church. But here... Jesus is doing a renovation of Peter's heart. Seasons of change, seasons of transition, are periods where God wants to take us as a Jesus follower from one place to another. And God is often up to something. God is often trying to put his finger on something. He's trying to show us something that perhaps we haven't seen before. And here's a couple of purposes that God might be trying to do in our lives. This next slide is gives us sort of five things that Jesus might be trying to do through seasons of change. Firstly, change is where maybe we've been afraid to do something earlier, to change something now that perhaps earlier we've been afraid to do. Secondly, change might come into our life to provide clarity to our life direction. There's so many directions our life can go. Sometimes we're asking, God, what do I do next? Seasons of change can bring clarity to that. Thirdly, maybe to consolidate learning that you've received earlier. This is definitely true for Peter. Peter had been learning from Jesus over the last three years and it all came down to this. Do you love me, Peter? Jesus was consolidating, trying to remind Peter This is what I want you to know above anything else. Fourthly, maybe it's about deepening your values. We go through seasons of change when everything else seems to be changing, but do you know what? Your values are the thing that you remain constant. What do you really value? And a fifth suggestion is perhaps we go through change to better shape our unique contribution. As we go through seasons of change and transition, perhaps God is refining for you what is your big precious gift to the world. Have you had a heart renovation? Have you been through a season of change where you feel like everything is uncertain? A true renovation of the heart because occurs when there is a deconstructing. There's a pulling apart. We're forced to ask What is the source of my worth? And for Peter, the source of his worth was his love in Jesus. Where there's a stripping back of the distractions, that's what happens in a season of change. And we're asked, are we going to make Jesus a priority? The rebuilding of a heart makes Jesus' mission and the Heavenly Father's will becomes the center. And I say all this, As if it's easy, but it's not. Seasons of change are hard and seasons of change in the heart are even harder. And this has been my experience probably for about 12 months now, been in this season of transition. My family and I are going through this as well. It can be painful. It can be uncomfortable, messy, confusing. And so often you just want to tap out but don't give up. Jesus is wanting to show up and often when it's least expected, he wants to affirm his deep and unfailing love for us. Years later, after this story, the Apostle Paul writes these words to a letter to the Romans. We actually touched on it in one of the songs before. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. Paul writes... I am absolutely sure that not even death nor life can separate us from God's love. Not even angels or demons, not the present or the future or any powers can separate us. Not even in the highest places or the lowest or anything else in all creation can separate us. Nothing at all can ever separate us from God's love. That's because of what Christ Jesus our Lord has done for us Peter needed to know in his heart that his days of fishing for fish were well and truly over Peter with a restored and renovated heart would see God work through him in a way that he had never imagined and he would achieve for the kingdom of God far more than a net full of fish so what's your season Are you in a season of change with your family, with your work, with your home? As a church, over the next few weeks, David tells me you're going to keep exploring questions of faith. And I hope you keep asking, what is the work God is wanting to do in you as much as the work he's wanting to do through you? In times of change and transition, the message this morning is, Stop stressing. My builder would say, no stress, no stress. Even when things are unplanned and messy, stop stressing. And in seasons of change and transition, I've got a guy for that. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he's wanting to show up in the unexpected places and affirm his love for you. And you know what? In all of these things, we learn about our imperfections. We learn about the things that we still need to grow in. And all of these things add character. And character is what allows us to make our unique contribution to the world. May God bless each of you in your season. May you stop stressing. May you press into the God who is above all change. May you make your unique contribution as individuals and as a community of renovated hearts in the city of Darabin and beyond. God bless. So on the next slide, there's a few things that um, Rod has posed for us to reflect on. Are you being reminded of Jesus' presence and his love today? What is changing in your life right now and what's being made into something new? And what's God revealing about the work that he still wants to to do in and through you? So I'd invite you to take those response cards out and prayerfully respond to the things that God's saying to you today. And some music will be played and at the end of that, We'll have an opportunity to sing our final song where our offering will be collected along with those response cards and those pencils as well. God bless you.